0: Welcome to the Cary Church Podcast. For more information regarding Cary Church, visit www.cary.asn.au. Matthew 27, verse 32 to
1: 50. The Crucifixion of Jesus. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon and forced him to carry the cross they came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skulls. There they offered Jesus wine to drink, mixed with gold, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And they were sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed a written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself come down from the cross if you are the son of God in the same way the chief priests the teachers of the law and the elders mocked him he saved others they said but he can't save himself he's the king of Israel let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the Son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. The death of Jesus. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice. Which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? he gave up his spirit.
0: Well, good morning. My name is Peter Scott. I serve here as the senior pastor, and it's my privilege to be with you on Good Friday. Some of you know that some years ago I lived in the, uh, the US, and uh, I work with some really interesting and, uh, and amazing people. And one of the guys that I worked with, he, he would tell the story of his, his youth. Uh, he grew up in a small country town in the US, and uh, he wasn't outstanding academically, he was good. He was not a super sports star, he, he was good at a few sports. And uh, as, as a typical young man does, he went through high school, he was into uni, and he was wondering, what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do with my life? And then one day, his neighbor, came over. And his neighbor said, would you like to follow me? And his neighbor happened to be George W. Bush. And this young man then spent several years following George Bush around to meetings with world leaders, traveled the world, got access to amazing things, saw incredible things. He had so many stories of the things that he saw and I just can't help but thinking on the moment that George Bush said to him, follow me, he had that choice. And if you know the story of Jesus, he did the same thing to some people. He went to some people who were just normal people and he said, follow me. And what happened when those people said yes is that they got to travel with him. And they would eat with him. And they met the people that Jesus met. And they had some incredible times. They got to see firsthand the miracles that Jesus did. They got to see him heal people. And it wasn't just the things that Jesus did. It was the things that he said that were quite amazing. So they got to hear things like, we call it now, the Sermon on the Mount. But Jesus had some really interesting ideas. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. And just like today, that was quite countercultural in the days that Jesus was walking the earth. He had some other ideas, like instead of an eye for an eye, you know, something that sort of seems equitable, he said, no, no, actually, we need to love our enemies. And this Jesus that called them to follow, he, he spoke in parables. And parables were stories, but stories that basically no one understood. Even the people following him, had to say afterwards, hey, uh, can you just explain that to me? Because we, we just don't get it. Now, you would think when you follow somebody that things get a little bit easier, that over time you kind of get the hang of it. You understand, okay, I, I know what's going on here, but I'm not sure that was so for these people following Jesus. Jesus had some, a rich person come to him and he said, sell everything you've got. Jesus interacted with the very... Uh, high-profile religious experts, the people that everyone looked up to as the experts in things about God. And he would say to them things like, you brood of vipers. He stirred things up. This Jesus was quite radical. And there's one sentence that summarizes, one, one couple of s- sentences, an idea that summarizes what Jesus called his followers into. All of these things that they got to see and do Were really interesting. But when you think about what Jesus asked them to do, here's a summary. It's from Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 to 25. And it's about a commitment to be selfless. Jesus said to them, whoever wants to be my disciple, so that's someone who wants to follow me and learn from me. If you want to be my disciple, then you must deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. For whoever wants to lose, save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it, will find it. Let me read that again to make it clear. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Follow me, said Jesus. Take up your cross. And on Good Friday, we reflect... On the events where Jesus did that himself. Jesus didn't ask his followers to do something he wasn't prepared to do himself. And so this morning as we reflect on the events of Good Friday, I'd like to do that through the lens of Jesus saying, follow me. Now as we do that I recognize that people this morning we're we're a large gathering we'll be in different places some people may have already said yeah i'm prepared to follow jesus others might have heard about jesus and and made a decision you know jesus i don't really want to follow him i'm actually here because i got invited by my family and my friends and and i'm gonna spend easter with them that's cool but i'm not really into following jesus and other people might have said you know following jesus i I really like jesus he's cool guy but um following him today doesn't, doesn't make a lot of sense. There will be a, view, a variation of views this morning amongst us. And the intriguing thing for me is that I think regardless of where you're at on that spectrum, Jesus would say to you and he would say to me the same thing. He would say, follow me because I've got a better way. Follow me because there is a better way. So let's Take a look at that invitation through the events of Good Friday. And I want you to be asking the question as we go through this, is it a better way? Is it a better way? And where we start on Good Friday, it's not a neutral starting point. So overnight, Jesus has been beaten. He's been brutalised. I don't know if you ever saw a movie called The Passion of the Christ but it portrayed the scourging that Jesus underwent and, and, and the things that happened to Jesus, and I found it, frankly, quite unwatchable. It's horrific. So our starting point this morning is where Jesus says, hey, follow me. And you think, really? Through that? No thanks. That's all I know about following you? I don't think so. That seems like uh, not something I want to follow. His followers, Jesus' followers at the time, they'd been through three years of following him through incredible things. So maybe they had a bit more tolerance. But for us this morning, if you just think about that starting point, follow me, says Jesus. It's a better way, but it might be painful. Well, let's keep going. That's a tough start. As we look at the passage that was read this morning... We see that the next thing that happens is Jesus is taken to the cross, he's put on the cross, and he's mocked by many groups of people. The soldiers, they'd beaten him and mocked him. They were then casually just sitting there watching him die on the cross, gambling for his clothes. The passers by are fascinating. The passers by, for me, they're like people who've seen the headlines in the media. They've bought into the the key parts of, of what's been said about Jesus. They don't know him personally. They're not there because Jesus is there. They're just passing by. And yet they too are mocking him. And my paraphrase for today, if they were in Perth, if we were in Perth, they might have said something like this to him. You are going to destroy the new Optus Stadium in three days and rebuild it? Ha! How dare you? They don't really care about Jesus. They're just walking past, but they're mocking him. There is no sympathy there. Then we've got the group of chief priests and the elders and the scribes. Now, this is the group who conspired to get Jesus there. So perhaps it's not surprising that they're mocking him, taunting him quite vengefully. They seem quite happy that this is proof that this person is not who he said he was. There are criminals who are heaping insults on him. And his own friends and followers, they've deserted him. They're not even there. Follow me, says Jesus. It's a better way. But it's not always popular. As we read Matthew's account, which is what we read this morning, it's not just the mocking attitude, but the words that people used while Jesus was on the cross that are so powerful. Those passers-by said, come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. We've heard what you said about yourself. Come down. If you're really the Son of God, prove it. And similarly from the priests and the scribes and the elders, let him come down from the cross and then we'll believe. That must have been tempting. That must have been tempting for Jesus because after all, wasn't that why he came? To show that he was the Son of God. And in those hours of being mocked and taunted, listening to those voices would have been tempting to say, I can show you. I've come to show the world. I'll show you. I'll just come down off the cross. But it's an interesting question. Would they have actually believed? Would the people there have really believed then that he was God? Or would they have dispelled what he was doing, just like they dispelled some of the miracles and other things that Jesus had done? More importantly jesus was following the will of his father of god the evening before so last night thursday night jesus was in a place called the garden of gethsemane and knowing that this was coming the gospel of matthew tells us that he was in such intense conversation with god that he was sweating droplets of blood And he says this my father if it's possible let this cup in other words this death on the cross that i know is coming let it pass from me nevertheless not as i will but as you will follow me says jesus follow me in a way that always follows god's will and not your own will now, of course, the reason Jesus could do that, the reason Jesus was in that place because he knew God's perfect love. He knew that following God's will is good because God loves him and God loves us. But even that was attacked hanging on the cross. And it's only half a sentence, but, but this really grabbed me as I read this account again, this, this preparing for this Easter. In verse 43 scribes and the chief priests are accusing him and they say, he trusts in God, let God rescue him now if he wants him. In another translation, the English Standard Version, it says, let God deliver him now if he desires him. They are probing right at the very point on which Jesus is trusting. Jesus is there because he knows of God's love and they're saying, really? Would a God who loves you really allow this to happen to you? Does he really want you? And I don't know about you, but when I'm tired, when I'm in pain, when I'm alone, the cracks of doubt seem to open up all the wider. Follow me, said Jesus. Doubts will come. People who don't know the truth will seed them and press them. But the better way is to hold on to faith when those those moments of doubt come. Follow me, says Jesus. There's a better way. It might contain pain. It might be unpopular. It does mean following God's will and not your own will. It means holding on to faith in the midst of doubt. And at the heart of this better way, at the heart of what Jesus did Was being selfless for the good of others. Save yourself. That's what they cried. Save yourself. And he could have. He could have. And one of the deepest realizations that I've had about Jesus on the cross is that it wasn't one decision, Jesus on the cross was thousands of decisions. With each breath, each moment, there came another decision where God could have come off that cross. And I can only imagine with my human brain how hard it would have been to resist that temptation every moment. Just with a word, with a thought, Jesus could have come down, could have ended the pain. And the pain wasn't just physical. It was spiritual and emotional. John's Gospel tells us that Jesus, the Son, had been with God the Father for eternity. He knew a deep, intimate relationship with God. And yet in verse 45 of Matthew, we read that he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Surely that's the most anguished cry in all of eternity. It's a separation that we find it hard to even imagine. And still Jesus allowed himself to remain on the cross until death. Why? Because the way of Jesus is to selflessly put others ahead of himself. Jesus stayed on the cross that he might enable forgiveness, freedom from shame, freedom from guilt for you and for me. We're going to sing a song later in the service as we finish the service called how deep the father's love and in that it talks about jesus on the cross and there are these words in one of the verses it was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished jesus stayed on the cross denying his own physical spiritual emotional torment for others for you for me we're going to share in holy communion this morning And that's something that Jesus asked his followers the night before on Thursday. He said, this is what I'd like you to do in remembrance of me. And in instituting that ceremony with his followers, he said this in Matthew chapter 26. It says, then he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it all of you. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. You're right there, Jesus was telling his followers in advance, here's what's going to happen. And the reason I'm doing this is for you. If you're not familiar with, with this part of Jesus' story and what it means, we've all made mistakes. We've all not followed what God wants us to do and, and we often call that sin. And that separates us from God. But God, knowing that, didn't want it to be like that. He wants relationship with us. He wants relationship with you and with me. And so he sent his son, Jesus. And this death that Jesus died on the cross bridges that gap of separation. It allows for forgiveness for us. It allows us to be in deep relationship with God. So today on Good Friday, we remember Jesus' death. And we reflect on that pain and isolation. The things that Jesus experienced. It's not necessarily a happy day. But we see that as Jesus went through that, he actually still is calling us, hey, follow me. This is a better way. And so to the question that I asked you about, is it a better way? This way that's painful, that's unpopular, that wrestles with doubt. A way that's selfless. Is it a better way? As I thought about asking you that question, I realized if I was sitting here this morning and this is the only part of Jesus' life that I heard about, I would probably say no. That sounds pretty unappealing. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning you've heard this before but even for those who follow Jesus I'd say if this is the only part of Jesus story that we heard it's pretty tough to say I really really want to follow Jesus through that it seems like there's very little good in Friday because on Friday Jesus is dead encouraging bits about to come because this isn't the end of the story friday's not the end of the story it's a little bit like going to watch a movie and stepping out halfway through there's lots that's unresolved you don't know the whole picture you've only seen part of it this is a pause in the journey it's a reflection time on the the difficult and dark part of the journey It is a reminder that the reality of following Jesus will contain some of these things, but, but, it's not the whole story. So whether you know Jesus or not, I want to encourage you to find out about Sunday. I want to encourage you that Sunday puts context to Friday. On Sunday, we see where the better way leads. We move from the darkness and death of today into the light and hope that is coming. So let me encourage you. We'd love to see you here on Sunday or wherever you may be on Sunday. Spend some time finding out and thinking about the rest of the story. For today though, I want to invite you into a time of reflection. Good Friday is a day for deep reflection. And we are going to join around the table And we've talked about this gathering that that Jesus said, the bread, the bread that's here, this is a representation of my body. And we do this regularly, but particularly on Good Friday. What significance? This is the bread. It represents my body that was broken for you. And the cup that we take represents Jesus' blood. We do this in remembrance and we do it as a community. It's a time perhaps for repentance as well, to think about the things that we have done, perhaps the places where we have not followed what God asks us to do. And that we can turn, we use the word repent, that we can turn and say, Lord, I do want to follow you. Help me. So this morning I'm going to pray over our time together. And then I'm going to invite you to stand up in your own time. Take the bread, take the cup, and then sit and reflect some more and our team's going to lead us through the rest of the service. But let's pray together as we just reflect on the events of Good Friday, on this question of, Jesus said, follow me. Is it a better way? Would you pray with me? Oh Lord Jesus, today we remember your death. It's a solemn time. But we want to thank you that you chose not to follow temptation, not to do things for your own good, but to be obedient to the Father for us. Thank you for that selfless act, the ultimate selfless act of sacrifice. And thank you for the opportunity to share together this morning as we reflect. As we eat the bread that represents your body, drink the cup that represents your blood and this new covenant of forgiveness and life. We repent of the ways in which we've stopped following you and we want to recommit ourselves to you and your ways. Amen.